And now, it's time once again for the show that gives glorious voice to 25 million business owners across the fruited plain. Radio Free Enterprise with Frank Felker. Thank you, Dude Walker. Yes, indeed, I am Frank Felker. Welcome back to Radio Free Enterprise. My guest today is Patrick Frank. Patrick is an award-winning video producer and the author of the upcoming book, The Video First Era. Patrick Frank, welcome to Radio Free Enterprise. Frank, so glad to be here with you, uh, neighbor. <laughs> I wasn't going to bring that up, but it's kind of funny, as people will see, or they can see right now. We both are named Frank. We both live in Alexandria, Virginia, and we both do video. Nonetheless, we've never met. Strange world <laughs> we're living in these days. Anyway, I'm glad Thanks, to have Internet. you here, Patrick. You've really got some great ideas, interesting ideas that uh, I wanted to bring to my audience's attention. So I want to start Can't with wait. a little uh, framework here. You are a video producer, and you have for years, eight years or so, been producing corporate videos for a variety of clients. And I'll let you speak to who those are in just a second. Uh, what sort of work pre-COVID what did a day in the life of Patrick Frank and Patch Bay Media look like? Yeah, so I was a pretty traditional video production company. So being in the DC area, we do a lot of nonprofit work, uh, some government clients, some small businesses, and really doing pretty traditional corporate video production where we'd show up with some cameras and a small crew, we'd interview some people, uh, we'd get some B-roll or action shots, and we put it together in what we would call like a brand story package. And that may include a homepage video, a longer about the organization video, and then maybe some shorter stuff for social media, something about a particular program or product or something like that. And we did a lot of that. And especially in the spring, we would do a ton of event work. Uh, we had a, a pretty cool way to cover events where we um, would go on site and interview people and cut together social videos and deliver it to the event so they could post it throughout the event instead of you know having to wait afterwards and then um you know you're just having to to pull from the 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 stage and stuff like that so we try to do things a little bit differently and uh but it was a lot of being on site it was a lot of um showing up filming interviews spending money on equipment to keep up things like that a lot of travel a lot of on-site shooting that type of thing you got your your lights camera action your sound guy all the cables, world of wires. I love the Patch Bay Media name. And then, lo and behold, along comes COVID. And just like virtually every business on earth, your business kind of ran into a brick wall that it didn't see coming. What, how has the work you do and the, the videos you produce changed as a result of the pandemic? Absolutely. So I will say that there were definitely some trends that were moving towards this direction, but like a lot of things, COVID just accelerated it. So as we were working on these brand story videos, especially when we're working for large associations, the, the, the comments that we got and the ideas we had were often like, hey, we need to include our members. Phones are good enough. Lap, laptop uh, webcams are good enough. Let's start incorporating some user-generated content. Let's have our members film some stuff, talk about why they love being a part of this organization, talk about why they support, why they donate, why they volunteer, uh, and start incorporating that into these like bigger budget um, brand story video packages that we were doing. So we were already seeing some of that, that we were 
tapping into those resources instead of having to fly everywhere and film everything with high quality. Um, but then when it was literally illegal for me to film anything back in March <laughs> and April of 2020, uh, it really came down to like, okay, like how do we continue to make videos? And we really just relied on Zoom and some of these other tools. I'll be honest, I never even noticed that there was a record button in a Zoom window until one day when I had this call about like, what the heck are we gonna do with this video that we need to produce? Um, and then I just kind of decided like, well, wait, what, what if we just do this on Zoom? And that first video we did, it, the, the project that we replaced, it was, again, traditional project, we were gonna go to a university in Maryland film with a couple of professors, a couple of students, put together a video about a particular program that they were doing. Um, but that program was a national program and we just didn't have it in the budget to fly around and, and interview all these professors around the country. So we interviewed them all on Zoom. And so instead of just having a handful of teachers and students from Maryland, we got to talk to people in Arizona, in Minnesota, in California. And it just was able, we were able to paint a more complete picture than we would have if we were limited to just the people in Maryland. So it actually turned out being a better project. And I've really just kind of run with this idea where, you know, maybe we don't need cameras for a lot of different kinds of videos that people should be making. And, you know, that's an interesting sidetrack, uh, which is you and I as, quote, video professionals, uh, we're always interested in high resolution and great sound and lighting and framing and blotty, blotty, blotty. But it turns out, you know, in the era of dash cam, pylon cam, closet cam, you know, webcam, uh, people, uh, what people are willing to accept has really changed. And what constitutes, quote, production values has really changed. As a, you know, I don't know how much of a purist you are or used to be, do you find that more grading or more liberating? Oh, 100% more liberating. <laughs> I think that along with Zoom fatigue, we also experienced a level of production fatigue, right? Like we sort of had it in our mind that, oh, unless it was top-notch production filmed with a $50,000 camera, then, you know, it's not worth watching or, or that message is, is inferior or something like that. And I think that when you reduce everything down and you have to use the tools that you have instead of being able to bring in a professional crew, it really forces you to focus on the message, the story, the narrative. And so that's what we, we've been able to do as we've been interviewing people from all around the country and, and making these videos that incorporate lots of different voices. We're able to create a better story. And that really is what drives it forward. And so you're no longer using production as a crutch. Um, instead, yeah. you're just you're focusing on on the story. Well, and also, as you were just touching on it, it democratizes it and it allows more people to share their voice and their face, their whole heart and expressions and emotions. Uh, and it's also forced those individuals out there who may have been camera shy and may still be camera shy. They had no choice but to stick their mug there in the lens and be seen. And I feel as though that has opened up a lot of minds, uh, even out there in the general public, relative to video communication. What's your reaction to that statement? Absolutely. I remember instead of driving into a meeting, trying to get my clients and prospects and other people like, hey, can we just hop on a video chat? Can we just use Skype or Google Meet or Google Hangouts? And I think that all these tools existed, but it really took the pandemic for us to wake up and say, you know what, wait a second. We should be using all these tools. We don't have to waste all this time commuting. We don't have to fly across the country for one meeting anymore. Um, and so I think you're right. As people got more comfortable with this, kind of understood some of the basics of like having your camera at eye level, being in front of a window instead of behind a window, 
um, things like that. And, and just getting reps and getting practice, um, it's definitely opened up a lot of opportunities. And I think a lot of companies have seen too that we don't have to rely on Zoom. We can build our own specific video solutions for our specific products and services. And so I think that that is really one of the key points of my book is kind of looking at what are those Zoom 2.0 products and services that people are gonna be using every day. That's great, that and I really wanna to touch to... on that. Uh, but I wanna sort of pivot from Zoom to get a little deeper into this. You used the expression just a moment ago, Zoom fatigue, but you feel that there's a different way for us to look at Zoom. Uh, you compared it to Napster, as a, I had it here, uh, a haphazard introduction to an entirely new era. What, what do you mean by that? Yeah, absolutely. So Napster started in the late 90s at, in college dorms because they had the highest, the fastest internet would, would you explain what Napster was? Sure, Napster was the first internet music solution. So okay. songs were traded back and forth on a peer-to-peer -peer network. So if I had a song, I could upload it to the Napster platform and someone else could download that song from me. And so you can imagine um, with computers and, and internet limitations and things like that, that just wasn't possible until a certain point in time. Um, and the, the, the uh, analogy I like to make here with video is that once people had a taste of this, of being able to download any song they wanted whenever they wanted for free, um, it's, it was really hard to go back to the old way of driving to Best Buy, paying $18 <laughs> for a CD when you only want one song, right? And so uh, I think that that's where we are right now in Zoom in this video world is that um, Zoom is great. The technology is really impressive. It works well. It's reliable, but it it's not the best. It's not optimized for all these different things that we're using it for. And so as we mature in this remote first world and with with our teams increasingly remote like i really don't think that offices it, it, the way that that we remember them uh i, I think offices are, are going to go away for the most part when companies can hire anyone in the world instead of someone in happens to live within a 20 mile radius it really opens up a lot of possibilities for companies as well so um, really what am I, I'm trying to introduce new tools and strategies so that people can make use of video with their remote teams and remote communication. That's great stuff, Patrick. I really think that was well put. And, you know, Napster was the beginning and iTunes, you know, might not have been the end, but it sure was something else and probably something oh, yeah. no one could have ever believed was going to happen. The iPod and the iTunes and a thousand songs in your pocket and downloading any song you want by itself for 99 cents and all the things that came forward uh, from that original idea. I really love the analogy that you made there. Now, you follow on to say, quote, it's only going to get better from here. So <laughs> how could it get any better than Zoom, Patrick? <laughs> Well, like I said, uh, Zoom is very easy to use and everyone is familiar with it, but it's not great for um, things like uh, interacting, right? Zoom has polls. That's about it. How can we make things more interactive? If you're working in a classroom and you want to have small groups and you want to be able to share within those groups and you're a teacher, uh, one example I talk about in the book is, is this, right? So let's say you're a computer science teacher. You have 50 kids in your class. And you want to be able to put them in small groups and you want to be able to walk around and, and talk to each one of those groups. Well, how would you do that? Oh, and then in the middle of it, there's something that you want to announce to everybody. Zoom is not really built for this. So there's this really great platform called Gather. It's uh, gather.gather.town gather is the URL. You can go check it out. You create a anime Pokemon Zelda 
uh, 80s style video game version of yourself. And then you're able to walk around in this pixelated world. So what the teacher does is he says, all right, everybody, you literally just with your keyboard, walk to different parts of the room. And he, with his avatar, walks around, does small group conversations. And if there's anything wow. that he'd like to address to the whole, to whole class, he just hits the spotlight button quickly shares it with everybody, then goes back to the small groups. So I think that there's a, a whole spatial layer that Zoom is missing that I think is really interesting and is gonna have a lot of great use cases in the next few years. You talked about something uh, on your Indiegogo page about sending a, sending a video instead of attending a meeting. What, what do you mean by that? Yeah, I love this. And, and so for my personal usage, uh, there, I have really just, it, how many times have you done an email where you said, see my responses in bold, see my responses in blue, <laughs> see my yeah. responses in red, right? And it's just like, it's completely unwieldy, right? Uh, so what I do is I just go to loom.com and that's a really great free app that allows you to do a quick video and screen share. And so I will literally just recite my reply to the email. It creates a transcript. Someone can watch it at 2x speed. And it allows me to get my ideas out faster instead of like those crazy threaded responses or writing a really long email. And a lot of times too, what it allows me to do is I'll start recording a video using Loom and I'll realize like, ah, this kind of sucks. Stop, start over again, get a new train of thought. And then the second time, my second take is uh, much more focused. It's much more concise and tight. And then I'll just send that video off. A lot of times it's a minute, minute and a half long. So it's not too much for someone to, to ask them to watch that. And I think for a lot of the things that we do meetings for, for um, updates, for looking for feedback, for doing things like that, pretty much anything other than brainstorming, you could just do in a video. And then um, there's a new platform called Supernormal that allows threaded video conversations. So I could send you a video wow. and then you could send me a video reply back. And we can have this whole conversation all in one place. And it doesn't matter that we're not talking in real time. So asynchronous video communications is one of the things that I think is going to be a huge unlock, especially for remote teams that have employees or contractors all over the world. Super normal. I love that. That's, That's it. great. Yeah. I'm not yeah, just normal. Team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, and then the, uh, uh, the, the one you talked about, gathering.town, was that the classroom one? Yeah, gather.town. Gather. Um, that Thank is, you. yeah, gather. Yeah, it's called And I'll gather. try to get all of and these into the show notes so that uh, people don't have absolutely. to scramble to find them. Yeah. Now, I noticed uh, something also in your uh, Indiegogo video that I recognized, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you talked about all you said in your script was creating video presentations that people actually want to watch. And it looked to me like you were using this new video capability from Prezi for that. Am I right about that? You're right. Yeah, Prezi. So video have you been working with that? What's your experience with it? Yeah, I met with the Prezi team. I had a couple demos with them. I talked to some of their content specialists, and uh, Prezi is is has been around for a long time. It's kind of a, a PowerPoint. Um, competitor that a lot of nonprofits used. So I had had some familiarity with it uh, from the clients I was working with. Um, basically, they were a less expensive version than Microsoft Office. For a lot of these scrappy teams and nonprofits, this was a really great solution. And so they took the idea of PowerPoint and how they did that a little bit differently and created this Prezi video product. And what Prezi video allows you to do is uh, allows you to be like your own weekend update anchor 
where you have graphics that are over your shoulder that you don't have to decide whether you want your camera to be full screen or your slides to be full screen. It's all together, it's all embedded. And so it's really an intuitive way as we're doing more virtual presentations, as we're doing more keynote talks and things like that from home. Uh, it's a much more engaging format where it allows you to have some graphics some supplemental content, but also be able to have your face full screen as well. Um, so it's just much a more native delivery. It's really cool. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, I don't have any B-roll to roll in here and show people what it looks like. But I do recommend it's Prezi.com, P-R-E-Z-I.com. Is that right? Yeah, okay. Prezi.com slash video. And uh, this is one of these times where I get to ask the question that I want to know, which is I saw that and I thought, wow, this is really cool. I really like that. What sort of a learning curve is associated with that? I remember with the original Prezi, like zooming in and doing 3D stuff. And you know, it just, I just, I didn't feel like I had the time to learn it. Uh, yes. How about this uh, Prezi video? How hard is that to learn? Yeah. Yeah, it's not very hard to learn. Uh, I think they have a lot of really great templates. But I will say that it is kind of dense. Um, I think Prezi video is definitely more academic focused. And I think it's definitely for people that have a lot of information. So those, those text heavy slides and, and things like that where you would have a lot of information on screen, Prezi video is gonna be great for that. Something a little simpler that I really like as well that's also that virtual camera weekend update, if you will, kind of approach is called Mm-hmm. So that's mmhmm.app. Okay. And uh, that's a little bit more streamlined, a little simpler to use, and it's a little more fun. It comes with a lot of uh, backgrounds that they call rooms that are very customizable and very colorful. So I would say Prezi is great for more dense topics, more academic. You need a lot of information. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm is great for more fun, simpler. You could throw together a presentation in there really quickly. Now, it's mm-hmm.app. Will it run on Windows or Mac or is it only mobile? I think it's both. It's not. Mo it's definitely not mobile. Um, I use oh, it on okay. a Mac. I think it's Windows also. Um, okay. But you should definitely check both of those out and kind of see which one works best for you. Great. I want to uh, back up for one second because perhaps somebody listening right now is thinking, oh, well, you know, this is all a bunch of fancy stuff and, you know, I don't have the budget. It's not going to work for me, etc. Could you give us sort of in broad brushstrokes an idea of the clients that you work with and what sort of organizations you think these ideas will work for? Sure. Uh, I think the ideas here work for any organization that has remote teams that is looking to communicate more effectively. So I think the first thing to do is say, what meetings do I have that can be canceled where I can just send a video? Again, nice. if it's a, an update, if it's, a, if it's feedback you're looking for, something like that, See if there's ways that you can just send a video to get your point across. It's going to be a lot more personal and you can definitely display a lot more enthusiasm than you would in just an email or a quick thing on Slack or text or something like that. But it saves you that 30 minute meeting. Um, so I think that that's one thing to do as well. And then um, for larger organizations where you're doing more presentations, whether that's presenting in a webinar, an all staff meeting, things like that. That's when I would start to experiment with the Prezi videos and the mm-hmms to make your presentations a little bit more engaging, to make them a little bit more fun, um, make it a little bit more memorable, as opposed to just relying on PowerPoint slides or something like that. So I think that those are two places where I would start for using some of these ideas. Great, thank you for that. You also did a quick demo within your video of editing video by editing text. 
What, mm. uh, what platform is that that you were using? Yeah, definitely. So that's one of my, it's literally the most used tool that I use yeah. right now uh, when I'm making videos for clients. It's called Descript, D-E-S-C-R-I-P-T. And Descript lets you edit videos by editing text. So it creates, an, you drop in your video and it creates an auto transcription of the video. And when you want to make edits to it, you literally just delete words, uh, just like a Google Doc. And it has a lot of other nifty tricks too, where it'll determine all of your, what they call filler words. So your ums, yas, so's, you knows, and you can delete those as well. Wow. Um, and yeah, it's really incredible. And so when we're working on videos, especially with our editvideocalls.com service, we're taking these Zoom conversations, dropping it in, into Descript, finding the most shareable moment, editing up that transcript because we want to make sure that those captions end up in that video. And it's just a, a completely essential part of our workflow now. Now that uh, Descript was founded by a guy, uh, Andrew, I'm trying to think who he is. I want to say he was out of Chicago and he was the founder of a big dot-com. Who, who was that guy? Yeah, it's Andrew Mason from Groupon. Groupon, that's it, of course. Yeah. Okay, I had a couple of uh, emails with him whenever Descript first came out. Uh, but in the early versions, again, I was just like, I'm not sure this is something I'm going to use. And it probably didn't have the functionality then that it does today. But I thought I was familiar with that. Yeah. You, so it really started off as for podcasting, for audio okay. only. Yeah, and added right. video features. Really last year, they added a ton of video functionality. Their Discord is great. So if you ever need any help, mm -hmm. Andrew himself is very active in there answering questions and, and giving feedback and things like that. So um, I absolutely love their product and their community. I think That's great. I, I definitely need job. to check it out again. Uh, I think he reached out to me because I was a podcaster and, you know, asked me, he just said, here, try this and tell me what you think, which is a great way to go. Uh, and I told absolutely. him, I can't figure out how to use it and I'm too busy to really dig into it. So <laughs> thanks, Andrew. But uh, anyway, so I'm glad I'm glad to hear it's progressed. Now, you also uh, talk about things like big virtual presentations and like virtual trade shows and conferences. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, definitely. So if we think back to what I was talking about with that Gather Town platform where you're able to physically move around and you choose an avatar and things like that. Um, if I have filmed a lot of academic conferences, right? I had a whole um, ongoing gig where I would fly around to medical conferences and film interviews with doctors. And, and one of the kind of hallmark um, events that happen there is the poster session, right? So all these researchers that publish papers, they show up in this room and they literally have a poster next to them and people come by and talk about their research and their findings. So how would you do a poster session in Zoom? Uh, right. You know, you could go round robin, you could like everyone would have their own Zoom room, like it would be really, really difficult. And so, um, but in Gather or a platform that has any kind of spatial component that allows you to walk around, it's very natural. You just walk into the poster room, you, you walk over to the, the author who's, their avatar is standing right next to their poster. You can press a couple buttons to interact with that poster. Um, that poster itself can be interactive now. You could have a video on it. You could have other kinds of rich media instead of just charts and graphs and text. And so, um, and, and it also offers a lot of serendipity too. So when I interviewed the Gather team for my book, they told me a story about how there was someone who was attending this poster session. They walked up to a paper that they were interested in and who was there talking to the author, their former college professor, right? So they, they had no idea they were gonna be there. Mm. So as we talk about trying to put some of the serendipity back into 
these, these experiences that we used to do in person. Um, again, I think adding the spatial component to this in a way that Zoom doesn't allow is really interesting. Neat stuff. And, you know, I agree with you completely that COVID accelerated uh, so many trends that were already in motion, work from home, video communication, that kind of thing. But I can tell you as personally, as an early adopter of technology throughout my career, that if people don't see the value in something, they're not going to try it. It's human nature to stick with the tried and true, not rock the boat. Uh, I actually, I was in the printing business and first re uh, started receiving print jobs online in around 1987 or 88. But it wasn't until seven years later that I got a second customer to try it. It's too long of a story to go into why the first guy saw the value. But um, if people don't see the value, they won't change. Now, you put a gun to their head and force them to do it, and they got no other choice, then, well, all at once, let's, let's consider yeah. this. And um, so I'm very excited about all that. But still in all, people need to embrace it, and they have to accept it, and they have to learn things and do things. So it comes back to the value proposition that will help convince them to do that. Let's talk about this. Let's say for an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, uh, mom and pop shop, main street business, maybe up to 10 employees or something. Where's the value? How can, why should they engage with this, Patrick? So, I mean, if we're thinking about small businesses, uh, again, when, when we think about how you're going to grow your business, a lot of small teams are hiring overseas, right? They're using platforms like Upwork and Fiverr. And as they're being able to delegate some of their tasks, whether that be marketing, customer service, sales, things like that, um, it makes sense financially to hire these people that work in other countries. And so the question is, how do we get them on the same page and build company culture um, with this remote landscape? And I think sure. there's a couple different ways you can do it. So the first thing you could do is you can, uh, once, you, once you reach a certain point in your business, you can start doing remote on-sites. So now, instead of leaving the office to go on some kind of retreat or something like that, you may come together once, twice, four times a year, fly in everybody, and now your office budget um, turns into your retreat, your, your remote onsite budget. So mm. you can get everybody together for that week or so where you can have all of those personal conversations, get to know your team members better. Um, and then as you fly back out, you know, you, you've, you've built your culture that way and it doesn't require um, rent or leases or anything like that. So I think that's one way that, that we can do it. That's and great. I hadn't even considered that from like an HR management team building standpoint. Um, you also mentioned that people like uh, public speakers, authors, coaches, and consultants can benefit from this. What's a quick tip that you would give to those sort of people like professional experts? Absolutely. So if you're a coach and you are onboarding a new client, chances are you're saying the same stuff over and over and over again, right? And so what I encourage people to do is record that once and turn that into an onboarding video series. Three or five videos that you could drip out over a, the course of a week or so. They're a couple minutes long each. So when you have a new client that signs up with you, you say, hey, do me a favor, watch this onboarding series. I think this is gonna answer a lot of questions about my program and how it works. Then once you're done watching it, we're gonna hop on a really focused, uh, customized 20 or 30 minute call. To oh, answer that's all awesome. the questions and make it all about you. And so I think that that's one way that we can start using this as well. If this was, 
if, if, if for some reason, you know, back in the pre-COVID times, you would meet face to face with every person, you'd have no way to be able to film this and, and turn this into an asset that you can deploy. Um, and obviously like that onboarding series too, could be some kind of lead magnet, could live on your website somewhere, could be social media content. So I think if you think about repurposing these conversations, that's one way you can get started uh, with a video first mindset. And another thing I like about that is potentially pre-COVID, people would have taken offense to having this generic onboarding video, you know, hey, I'm paying this guy a lot of money to be my coach. And uh, but now it's just like, oh, that makes sense. And and so you really it does match your time investment with the value that you're delivering kind of thing. OK, exactly. I was going to open with this question, but I we're very near to being out of time. And so I'm going to ask this as one of my closing questions, which is, what exactly do you mean by the video first era? How do we put video first? What does it mean? Definitely. So at some point, it's going to be safe to get together. We're not going to have any restrictions. We're going to have herd immunity or some level of normalcy will return. But I think that my point with the title and with the book is that there's a lot of reasons to continue working this way. We've talked about a lot of them in this conversation, um, but ultimately there's gonna be times where we're gonna to wanna to get together, right? And I think um, if we look at events, for example, I think the new norm is going to be, let's say you had a thousand person event previously in pre-COVID times. I think in the future that video is going to have, instead of a thousand people in person, maybe a hundred, maybe 100 or 200, but then they may have 10,000 that are watching remotely in a hybrid, hybrid event kind of format. So nice. when I say video first, the idea is that the people that need to be there will be there. Those are the investors. Uh, those are the, the VIPs, that sort of thing. They're going to have a more intimate experience and it makes sense for them to be there in person. But for a lot of other people, it doesn't make sense to be there in person. The travel cost isn't necessary. The time away from work isn't necessary, from your family, from all these other things. Um, and we just need to be able to deliver that access so that more people can participate. Um, and ultimately it's better for sponsors, it's better for hosts, it's better for everybody. So I think that that's really kind of the message there is that um, it, obviously I'm not saying never get together in person, but I think that uh, it's going to, the, the, the bar has been raised for when it does make sense to be in person because we do realize just how much we can do in a remote setting. I have to ask a follow on question because as you were speaking, I was reminded, you know, a thousand years ago, I was hired to produce a video of a live presentation being put on by a real estate expert that he, it was about 300 people, I'd say, and we had multi-cameras. Uh, I won't go into all the technology of it, but uh, in any event, what I noticed, it was the first time I'd ever done anything like that, was that the presence of the video crew and equipment impinged on the live event. That people like mm -hmm. had to stand up and go to a microphone to ask a question, whereas if it weren't for that, they would have just shouted it out or what have you. There was and plus people were a little ginchy about seeing being seen. In any event, what I realized was that there was like a, a scale. The more we leaned towards a great video production, the more it impacted the live experience of the people in the audience negatively. And vice versa. Mm -hmm. The more we tried to accommodate the live audience, the less quality video we could capture. So I'm not putting words in your mouth. I'm asking you, are you saying that maybe we should lean towards the video experience, even if it does come at the expense a little bit of a live audience? 
Yeah, that's a really good observation. And um, I can share a quick story about that as well. Please. So um, for the last several years, I've been working on this program called Speak With Confidence. We work with coaches um, and entrepreneurs, authors, people like that. And we help them essentially write TED style talks. So 10 to 15 minute talks. And then we get them all together. We rent a stage and we have a camera crew there and they deliver that talk on a stage and we can deliver them a, a demo video and a homepage video for their website and things like that. That's so great. This whole, this whole thing started, yeah, it's really cool. Um, this whole thing started because people kept asking me, how do I get a demo video? And I would go with them to film at whatever thing that they were speaking at. But like, like you said, it's not meant for a film crew, right? The lighting's terrible. You know, right. there's nowhere to stand. It's, it's, it just like wasn't optimized. So we realized like, okay, if we're gonna do this right, we have to literally rent a theater and, uh, and fill our own audience and kind of, you know, redo takes if we need and things like that. So I totally get where you're coming from. And I think that that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so to answer your question, I, I think that this is one of the opportunities with these mm -hmm. next generation platforms. Hy the hybrid model is gonna be here to stay. So how can we make sure that people that are in person can interact with people that are watching it remotely? Um, how do these platforms need to interact? If you have a combination of stage speakers and virtual speakers, how is that going to work? Um, there's, there's also an idea too that, you know, when you're watching a talk and I'm, I'm sitting next to you, um, we have a shared experience there. And right now we don't have that kind of shared experience when everyone is just at home on their computers. So um, I think there's, there's a lot to figure out and that's what I'm really excited about over the next decade <laughs> or so. Uh, that's great. World. Yeah. If you're not stretching yourself, you're not learning anything new. That's great. Exactly. Well, Patrick, I'm sure a lot of people who are listening or watching are curious to know uh, how they could connect with you, learn more about your services, learn more about your book. What's the best way for somebody to reach out to you? Sure. Um, I think probably the best way is on Twitter. I'm at Pat Frank. Pretty easy. Um, you can also Pat find me Frank. on LinkedIn. That's it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can check out the book at videofirstera.com. Okay, great. Now, there's one last question that uh, I always like to ask before we sign off, which is, we've covered a lot of ground, but is there a question that I haven't asked you or something that's come to your mind as we've been talking that you'd like to share before we sign off? Um, well, I can ask you, what, what kind of virtual events have you attended and have you done any speaking and, and what are some of the, the issues or hangups or reservations that you've had as you've been participating in this video first world? Are you asking me or the audience? No, I'm asking you. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> okay. Well, as you can see, I do quite a bit of remote video conversation giving or doing. Uh, I, in the past, I haven't done a, um, much of a remote, uh, uh, meeting. I I was trying to uh, uh, join up or become a, a regular member with a networking group that meets weekly. And I will tell you that I found it to be a little bit drawn out. I definitely got the Zoom fatigue. There's no question about that. And so I felt as though there were a number of things, uh, that small number of things that could be changed with the format, including shortening it, uh, that would make it uh, more engaging for me. But I was new to the group and I didn't feel like it was my place to, to, uh, to offer the suggestions. Um, you know, I have been using remote video for years. It's kind of like, it reminds me very much of like uh, receiving the print jobs online. But very mm. few people uh, felt comfortable with it. So for me, the benefit of COVID has been that it's like everybody's doing this now, video conferencing and video interviewing. 
And so it makes it easier for me to connect with quality guests, even if they don't have your level of experience with video. More of the common person has a pretty decent AV setup, microphone, camera, and that kind of thing. So I would say overall, I, I'm excited about what's going on now. And, and I'm very excited about a lot of the stuff that you've shared, man. And I'm glad that you and I have gotten to know each other. And here we are, neighbors. So now we're going to have to have a beer. That's right. Let's do it. We'll go to Old Town or something. It'll be great. Great. Okay. So that's it. You don't have any last pearl of wisdom that you're going to share with us. No, I think, um, I think like, like we talked about, I feel like most people are more comfortable on camera and I think that everyone should take it a step further. So a couple things you could do instead of sending an email, send a video, go set up an account on loom.com, give it a try. It's really easy to capture your camera, capture your screen and just get your thoughts out. You know, what can you do that can be sent in a video that can replace a meeting? Um, I challenge everyone to cancel a meeting and send a video instead and just see what happens. So uh, I, I think that, that that's a good place to start. Awesome. Well, Patrick, Frank, thank you so much for joining me today on Radio Free Enterprise. Thanks for having me, Frank. Thanks again to Patrick, and thank you for joining us. Until next time, I'm Frank Felker saying, I'll see you on the radio. Forgiving your entrepreneurial sins with a gentle wave of his microphone, here's Frank Felker.